0: Well, thank you, everybody, for coming to the newest edition of the Purple Nights podcast. And this has been one that has been several years in the making, if not many years in the making. And I'm very excited and honored to have with me today my friend, musician Adam Rudiger from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. And Adam, you're the... Frontman, shall we say, of the uh, band Lake Minnetonka.
1: Yes, who is very much. Who's very very much. Confusing band name for Australians.
0: Yeah, very much inspired by Prince and the Minneapolis Sound. So that's what we're going to be talking about a lot today, and I'm going to ask you about. Just sort of your beginnings in music and your inspiration as far as Prince goes, and then we'll get into your work with Lake Minnetonka, all right? Lovely. Thanks for having me. Yes, it's it's very much an honor to have you on. Uh, We've interacted a lot on social media over the years. You've even done instrumental tracks for me to lay my vocals on, which I still have on my computer, actually. I've got call. to get to work on those. But lovely, lovely work. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Chris. So tell me a little bit about your uh, beginnings as a musician and what inspired you to pick up the keyboard or the piano.
1: Uh, well, I uh, I guess I just played piano from a young age. Um, I wasn't very good, but I always loved music and I would do things like I would record TV commercials with I'd hold a tape recorder up to the TV and press record and uh, you know any kind of film music or TV commercials that I, that I enjoyed the, the music I would listen to them back and um, I taught myself to play, I was obsessed with James Bond when I was eight or nine and um, I arguably still am uh, and I taught myself <laughs> to play the James Bond theme. So that James Bond was my uh, equivalent of Prince teaching himself the Batman theme. Um, oh. And that was about all I could play for years and years and years. And then, you know, I got, I got some lessons in, in high school. But it was actually really um, a couple of things happened around the same time when I was about 14 that made me want to kind of take music more seriously. And I, I guess my love for Prince's music was... Um, something that, that really inspired me in that direction because, you know, I could see him playing piano and, and I had other people I really liked too, like Harry Connick Jr. that, uh, you know, they were on the screen. Their music was so, so cool. And uh, I just wanted to do that. And uh, it, it really, anytime I would uh, go through a hotel lobby and see a piano player, I was just mesmerized. So I, I always loved the mystique and the, um, the sophisticated look of piano. Uh, But I got into a lot more sort of funky stuff through listening to Prince and George Clinton and Herbie Hancock and things like that. So I've always been equally interested in synthesizers and Rhodes and Clav and things like that and organ uh, just as much as acoustic piano.
0: Very, very cool. And so you're obviously you were inspired by Prince to create this band. Lake oh, yes. this, is my,
1: this is my controversy mug.
0: Oh, excellent. Excellent. I love it. <laughs> I've got, I don't know if you can see in the background. I've got a, uh, a replica wooden cloud guitar. Uh, peach cloud. And then I've got a painting of Prince and I that was actually done by the local Minneapolis artist Dan Lacey who is having some health problems uh i saw that yes love and light sent out to dan definitely and then i've got i probably shouldn't legally be showing it but it's it's (laughs) the uh cover artwork for my memoir in progress um called elephants and flowers but uh we'll see if it we'll see if it works out or ever comes to Fruition, but yeah, I've got my my print stuff today for the podcast. So,
1: me, me too. I brought my left-handed cloud guitar. Oh, um, excellent! N- nobody can play this except me because I'm a lefty. Well, you know, Sunny T could. <laughs> yeah, I'm.
0: Yeah. I'm. I'm a lefty as well. So
1: right today on. is
0: the uh, lefty edition of the Purple Nights podcast. Definitely beautiful. Um, so yeah, um, like Minnetonka, can you tell us how you got inspired to start the band and kind of the beginnings of that?
1: Yeah, well, uh, I, I certainly can. It, it all started around uh, the year 2014 when, um, Dr. Fink was con- convinced that he should come to Australia to do a gig by uh, a bunch of, um, loyal purple fans here in Melbourne and uh, they actually got him to agree because he wanted to have a holiday here and and bring his wife and it would you know he would come and do this show and it would basically fund the holiday and he was keen once they had got him to agree to it they went oh man we well we need somebody here on on the ground here in Australia to be the music director and I happened to know all these people so I, I was asked and I said Oh, you want me to be Dr. Fink's musical director? Can I think about it? Uh, no, I, I, of course, immediately I uh, agree, <laughs> and I send him this list of okay. This is what I want to do, Matt. I want to. Uh, we're going to open with Electric Intercourse, and then we're going to play the extended version of. And I had all this like really complicated B sides and deep cuts, and I, I, you know, I was basically making some weird mystical dream line up of tunes uh, that i would want to play and then right. he was like he, he was playing in the purple experience at the time which was a band he started with marshall charloff and um, you know basically a, a prince covers band a revolution covers band and he said i, I prefer to stick to that material because it's, it's really fresh in my mind and it's more sort of well-known stuff that was also fine so he came uh, he basically got off the plane we went into rehearsal we had one rehearsal uh, with this band that i'd put together and trained them up on the tunes and then we went and played this show um, and and i had a band uh, at that that time that had been around for about a year and we would i think we'd only just started to call ourselves lake minnetonka uh, and he came and sat in with us at one of our shows so that was a really auspicious mm. kind of like boost to the band um, the, the following year I went to Minneapolis and uh, I went to his studio and did a recording uh, and those tracks appeared on our first album, Melbourneapolis, but uh, it wasn't enough for me to just want to record with that Fink, because I had these dreams of I could put together a super group, you know, that had never been done before. I, I, I want uh, Sonic T from the New Power Generation and I want Eric Leeds from the Revolution and um, he helped me put it all together. Uh, so he, he helped me book these guys. He put, put me in touch with them. And, uh, yeah, we did this recording. And Petar Janic as well played drums. So he's Corey Wong's drummer. And he's just gone on to really brilliant things. Uh, he's incredible. Another lefty, by the way. Um, and really short notice, he, he got uh, recommended for this session. And, uh, yeah, so he's on the album too. That's our first album, uh, Melbourne Apples. Excellent. That's kind of how we we got we got started.
0: Excellent, and I know you're you're very inspired by the Madhouse albums and that whole that whole era and that whole mystique. And I know we've uh, given each other quite a ribbing through the years about <laughs> instrumental music in the uh, in the Prince world. But
1: you you've never heard that mix I made. Have you the one where I cut out all the lyrics out of Batman? Did I send that to you?
0: No, I would love to hear that.
1: I, I only did it just to review, and then um, I tried to upload it to Facebook, and the algorithm picked it up. It's was like this is copyright material, but I'll, I'll email it to you directly. All I did yes. was I snipped out every time there's a word. I I snip I snipped it out. Oh no no sorry, it, it's the opposite. Every time there's no words. I cut it out, it's just music, so it's like I've seen the future and it will be, I've seen the future and it works, and I'm like, you happy now, Chris, happy now, all lyrics you should, this should be your favorite <laughs> album
0: <laughs> That's, that's wonderful and and I gotta be the first to admit that I deserve that I deserve that definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I would, I would love to hear that, it would be great great fun, but yeah, I think I'm tra- I only got
1: through the future in electric chair and then I was like, okay, I, I've, I've made my point.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to open my mind, expand my mind a little bit and listen to more of the instrumental stuff. There's a handful of um, early and mid-80s Prince instrumentals that I, I love, but I never quite got into Madhouse, so I know that's been a, a little bone of contention between us, but yeah, the the album, uh, Melbourneapolis, I actually ordered that when it first dropped. I actually have the CD and everything, and it's really cool. Thanks, and man. It's really, really awesome that you were able to get together with Fink and Sonny T and Eric Leeds. Eric Leeds, especially for me, is one of my top favorite Prince collaborators of all time.
1: hundred. Uh, 100%.
0: Um there's a uh there's an unreleased version of the song Crucial where um Eric Leeds put a saxophone solo where Prince wanted the guitar solo and that sax version of Crucial has got to be my favorite version of the song of all time. So Prince Estate if you're listening or watching Release it. Okay. Release so, it. Release it. Yeah. <laughs> release it.
1: Yeah. Got but, it. Um, yeah, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Good. Hey, so, uh I'll tell you a story about Eric. So uh, I went to visit him at his place when I was in town. um And we had just done the recording session the day before. So we'd sort of broken the ice and we ended up chatting for about five hours. It was. It was amazing. Eric if you're listening uh, that time meant so much to me and I, and I thank you. Um, at one point Eric says to me so uh you know the song uh, sexual suicide and I went yeah of course I know sexual suicide. He goes well uh check this out and he goes over to his closet and he <laughs> opens up and he takes out a shoebox and it's filled with to the brim with cassette tapes and he takes out his cassette tape and he puts it in and he plays me this alternate mix of sexual suicide that had all these horns on it that aren't on the crystal ball version and i'm just there going what is my life even so yeah i've heard i've heard this cool alternate version of sexual suicide because we're talking about all the the different horn lines because one thing i wanted to learn from eric was the way those horns are arranged in you on sign of the times just with atlanta bliss and eric it's incredible but if you really listen to things like um uh, it's, um, slow love there's a lot of dissonance in these bebopy lines and I'm just really uh, I, I'm a student of when Prince started to introduce all that jazz language into his music spurred on by people like Eric and Wendy and Lisa uh, you know bringing him this music and exposing him to Miles Davis and, and things like that because in the early days Prince wasn't into jazz and Matt, told, Matt Fink told me that he would be playing, you know, a little jazzy lick, and and Prince would say, what do you want to play that music for, Matt? You know, things like that, and he completely turned around later and went in a way more jazz direction.
0: Yeah, and then you followed up Melbourne Appleist with the next year with an EP. I would call it an EP, right? It's seven tracks.
1: Yeah, Yeah, Um, it's an EP, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. Um, And only two of the tracks are really, you know, legit Lake Minnetonka instrumentals, you know, following over from the first album. But the rest of the tracks are actually vocal tracks. And I'm I'm thinking about You'll it now. I'm, I'm wondering if you did that to sort of appease me and people like me who were like, oh, we're not into instrumentals. We like vocal tracks, but um well, it's... uh, uh-
1: I'm kind of trying to cater for both. Really, what Honey Garden came out of... uh, So I'd been working with Fran, Francoise D'Argent. She sang uh, a song called Enamoured that we wrote together. So part of the philosophy of Lake Minnetonka is we're kind of like an instrumental rhythm section, and I see us as a modern-day you know, Madhouse style band, but I like to co-write songs with a, a lot of different singers. So we've featured many different artists on our releases, Henry Mineta, Francoise Dargent, Chantal Metfalski. Um And so Fran and I were having a really good time working together and we wrote basically a suite of songs, so four or five tunes. And we just put them all together on the one ep i thought it'd be cool to have an ep that features one vocalist rather than you know a a, a spread so on our albums we have three to four vocalists featured but honey garden is all songs that i i co-wrote with fran so we worked on them together and we had a really great time and we would um you know i would always come into the session go okay fran we're gonna write uh we're gonna write a jill jones song today and she would say you always say that you just all you ever want to write is a Jill Jones track and I'm like what's wrong with that <laughs> so, <laughs> and then she would have an, an her idea of what she wanted to write that would sort of collaborate so so hopefully to my ears you know Honey Garden is a bit of a Jill Jones tribute and uh and it, yeah it does it has a little instrumental at the, at the very beginning but the real banger on that the instrumental banger is called Freezer Burn and I wrote it when I got my CP-70. So CP-70 is an acoustic grand piano. And you you can see uh, it's what Prince played on the Purple Rain tour, on the beautiful ones and things like that. So um, I love the sound of it. It's the sound of uh, when you hear um, Sexy Dancer, that piano solo in Sexy
0: Dancer. Oh, yep, yep.
1: So uh, I wrote this curly bebop kind of madhouse head for it. And we've got a video clip up online, and the video clip is all footage I took in in my trip to Minneapolis when I was just going around sightseeing and, and, you know, going to shows, uh, you know, St. Paul Peterson and MPG and um, LP music, and yeah, I just collated a travel log and made that the video clip. It was so much fun.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that that trip was when we... Was it that trip where we met in person? That was
1: the trip when we finally met at Paisley Park. And it was like at the end of Die Hard when John McClane and Al Powell finally meet at the end. And they're like, "Uh, uh, uh," like a buddy cop movie. I finally got to give you a hug.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. Very, very cool moment. And I'll always treasure that. Of course, uh, I'd like to spend some time. I'd like to spend extended time with you just talking. Like you say, with that conversation with Eric Leeds that lasted for five hours, I'd love for us to be able to do something like that in person someday. So that's definitely a goal of mine to shoot for.
1: Thanks, Chris.
0: Yeah, I've got to give a shout out to my friend Ray Hansen because I know one of his biggest dreams in life is to sit down with Eric Leeds and have a beer with him. So... I wanted to give a shout-out to my buddy, Ray. Uh, Hopefully, we can make it happen somehow, some way. But, yeah, Eric is just the coolest guy. Shout-out to Eric Leeds. Shout-out to Dr. Fink. And shout-out to the amazing legend, Sonny Thompson. Oh, yeah. Who I know was one of Prince's heroes growing up in North Minneapolis. So, it was sort of serendipitous that he ended up as a bass player in the MPG in the 90s. So very, very cool. And those happen to be my two favorite tracks on Melbourneapolis are your uh, collaborations with the, uh, uh, the new New Power Trio of new Dr. Frank, Eric Leeds yeah. and Sonny T. And we're talking about the tracks Clipnosis and Out There About There. I absolutely love both those tracks. So, yeah, great, great stuff. And I'm sure, Adam, it was, as you say, it was surreal. It was like a dream come true to work with those folks. So, um, yeah, very, very awesome. And then your most recent uh, project is House Arrest. Um, can you tell us how that came to be, and sort of the vibe of that album?
1: Yeah, well, uh, House Arrest took a long time to finish because uh, I went, I returned, I returned to Minneapolis in uh, 2015, and uh, did some more recording with Dr. Fink. We didn't do it in his studio that time. We did it at River Rock in North Minneapolis, and um, this time I was able to actually get everybody together to jam in the one room, rather than the first time we recorded it, it was sort of rhythm section first, then Eric came and put his horns on top later. Uh, But this time it was St. Paul Peterson, who's been a great friend to the band and also appears on Melbourneapolis. Uh, St. Paul and Matt Fink and L.A. Buckner, who's an amazing drummer. Uh, So it was a slightly different lineup this time. And then we we got four tracks down, um, and they, they were just sort of extended funk jams. And I kind of turned them into other things when I when I got back to Australia. Um, and I added the, uh, our local musicians here. I added some guitar, Jack Whistler on guitar, and um, turntables on a track called No One. So that was really fun. And then uh, I, we we're constantly working on our own material here in, in Australia. So. Um, Chantel Nefalsky uh, is a, a, a brilliant vocalist, and right after we did our song for Melbourne Apple, she moved to New York. But uh, because of COVID, she came back to Australia. So I was happy about that. One small uh, silver lining to COVID was Chantel was trapped in town, and I was like, "Let's make more music." So she features on two tracks on House Arrest. Um, uh, Black Pegasus the the sort of the lead single and From My Keys to You which is my attempt to write a Diamonds and Pearls kind of song and um and then we've got Henry Manetta, and uh yeah and we, like House Arrest the title track that's that's my total madhouse mode where I'm just writing uh, I actually I co-wrote the groove with Anne Metri our bass player and then I sort of built it up from there and then what I did was I, I like to cut out parts of bars and make them sort of like a little like a 2-4 bar so it feels a bit lopsided and things come in surprising places. I remember when I sent out the demo to the band and was like I don't remember the, all these little bits being in there and I was like yeah sorry I changed it. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this sort of like just a funky groove but it was just fairly in 4-4 time fairly conventional and I was like oh but then what if it finishes early and what if this happens here and I, I dressed it up, you know. That's what I like to do.
0: Yeah, my favorite track is on the on the uh, latest album is "3 AM Bunker Funk." So, uh, yeah, I'll yeah, definitely be so... I'll be leaving a link to that in the description box of Blog Talk Radio, and also on YouTube, so you guys yeah, can so, check that out. So,
1: on Melbourne, we had "4 AM Bunker Funk," and this is. It's 3am Bunker Funk. So I imagine that one day we will have 24 tracks. You see the Madhouse connection here. We'll have 24 <laughs> tracks, all the Bunker Funk. And of course, Bunker Funk relates to to Bunkers, um, the iconic venue in Minneapolis where Dr. Mambo's yep. Combo was played for decades and decades. Yep. And uh, you must, anybody who's not from Minneapolis that makes the trip there, you must make the pilgrimage and, um, and meet the band. I got to buy... Um, margaret cox's cd right from her uh when i was there and i'm a huge fan of her work um mc flash and uh standing at the altar and and all that so uh yeah anyway the the cool thing about uh, the bunker funks is we feature the two minnesotan caricatures and that is dr fink and his lovely wife andra and they to do this brilliant comedy routine where that you know that's sort of like a Fargo kind of um, (laughs) you know Minnesota accent I know Fargo's in North Dakota so don't correct me anybody Um, and uh, yeah that I and I record them and I I put them in there so that's really cool because I feel like it's one of the only recordings in existence that has Matt Fink on vocals.
0: Wow that's that's excellent yeah I, I recognize that listening through the albums uh, yeah, and it's very very unique and and very uh, very interesting track, but also We're, very uh, funky as well.
1: Thanks, Chris. Well, I, there's a funny story about how I actually got that vocal because uh, you know we've done it on Melbourne and I thought, how am I going to record them again? You know, I never see them. Um, when when the revolution got their um, star on uh, uh, on the wall of First Avenue. They were having a little photo shoot there to commemorate it. And I went, I was in town that week and I went down and hung out there. And then the revolution were all going over to Paisley Park to perform that afternoon. So I bummed a ride with Matt and I sat in the back of his car right next to his surgical scrubs that were hanging up in the, um, on a coat hanger in the back seat. And it's got a Grey's Anatomy uh, tag on it, by the way. I think he bought it off the internet. And, um, and we got to Paisley Park and we pulled into the car park and I said, all right, before we get out, I need more material for the next album. So do your thing. And I put my phone on, I held it up and they they just went into it immediately and gave me about a minute's worth of their comedy routine, <laughs> talking about fishing up on Lake Mille Lacs and things like that. So uh, yeah, that's how I got it. And then An- Andrew went, She she goes, all right, well, we got to go in now, but I'm going to just throw this trash out. And she had some McDonald's, uh, you know, take out a bag of that. And there's a purple dumpster at the back of Paisley Park. And she walked over to it and she throws in the bag and she turns around she goes, well, lucky nobody threw me in the dumpster because Morris wasn't around.
0: <laughs>
1: and That's I, was, excellent. I, was actually, I was actually filming that on my phone. And if you watch <laughs> the Freezer Burn video, we cut the song halfway through and I just put that little clip of Andrew throwing that. I feel like in America you should say toss she tosses the bag in and she turns around and does that quip about Morris
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I'll include the, the link to the freezer bird video as well yeah. uh, you guys cool. should definitely check that out if you haven't already and uh, yeah great great stuff well I wanted to I wanted to ask you, because I've never actually talked to a musician about this, mm-hmm. and it'd be good to get your impressions. Of course, I've read things and heard different definitions over the years, but what, what to you defines the Minneapolis sound? What differentiates it from other musical genres or musical movements? How would you describe how would you break down the Minneapolis sound?
1: Well, it's a bit like film noir. Is it a style? Is it a genre? Uh, it's, uh, it's a few different things, and it, it evolved quite quickly. So what most people think of when they think of the Minneapolis sound is only a very short time period. And what you have to realize is that by the time Purple Rain came out, it had already evolved. Nineteen ninety nine does not sound like Purple Rain. It, it, it's it's gone in a different direction. It's developed more. But what what the Minneapolis sound was originally, as, as far as I understand it, was Prince took a bunch of elements that were around in the in the zeitgeist, both from Minneapolis and other music that he had heard, and he sort of put them together in a unique synthesis. And it's a very sort of stripped back, naked kind of funk. And uh, a big part of it is the flavors, of the timbres of the instruments. So um, you've got the, the Lin drum machine, the LM1, uh, very distinctive sound of that drum machine. You've got very kind of dry guitars playing sort of skanky rhythms. And you've got a synthesizer, I um, mean, a few different synthesizers, but primarily the Oberheim, uh, which is doing what a horn section would normally do. Brass patches and things like that, and I'm obsessed with these sounds. I, I love, Oberheim. You know, and of course they used Prophet's and other things that were prominent at the time, but uh, to me the Oberheim is a really important sound, and the one I mentioned before, also the CP70. Um, and when you put all that together, in the in the kind of rhythmic uh, arrangements that that Prince would do. Uh, then you have something approaching the Minneapolis sound. And another interesting thing that he would do with the Lindrum, it's it's basically a drum machine box, but you can um, take a separate output for each drum sound, like the kick and the snare and the crash and hi-hat. And so he would run it through different guitar effects pedals. So it has strange modulations and things like that. And it just sounds like kind of cold and sleazy and sexy to me. And I love it. It's amazing. And then, as I said, it evolved almost immediately. And Purple Rain is an evolution. Um, Really influenced a lot of 80s hits from the first half of the 80s. And then I would say that uh, um, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were responsible for the kind of the next evolution of that sound where they started using the 808 drum machine instead of the Lynn drum. And then you get that classic Flight Time Jackson second half of the 80s sound where the drums were completely different so when you think of uh i want to dance with somebody who loves me or something like that those drums don't sound like the lead drum so that's the next evolution so i can hear this clear lineage of how the minneapolis sound evolved and kind of really influenced the sound of the second half of the 80s paula abdul and and all that kind of thing great
0: great sound and And I love how you described the evolution of it, but I love, yeah, I had definitely read the thing about, you know, the, the synthesizers basically replacing the horn lines in the Minneapolis sound, but I hadn't read about the sort of skanky guitars, as you say, and all that stuff. And it it totally makes sense. Such a great sound and not to, deliberately use a pun but it was so revolutionary
1: um it was instrumental in the sound of the 80s yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly exactly uh we need a drums just made effect. hit after hit exactly <laughs> exactly
1: so yeah uh, you know you could you can really think if you think of controversy you know the guitar part of controversy it's like that's quintessential minneapolis sound guitar style you know? and then yeah. of course you've got the those lead guitar sounds like bambi and things like that like the distorted overdriven classic prince face melter
0: yeah, on, on, on controversy you've got what prince would call chicken grease
1: yeah yeah
0: i love that sound i love that sound and it's very 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 princely and uh just one of the millions of billions really of reasons why i'd love Prince's sound and have gravitated toward it for my whole life basically um let's see was there anything else we could talk about anything else you're up to oh i was going to mention your video project year of the bat which was something that i really really loved Uh, I wanted to know how that came about.
1: Well, um, I tend to try and champion the underdog. And uh, I think that Prince's Batman album is just flat out amazing. And I feel like it gets unfairly maligned as a commercial sellout. Much like um, Bowie's Let's Dance album. I think that Let's Dance by David Bowie is an absolutely incredible record and um, should not be written off just because it had some hits on it. So um, let, let me start by talking about Bat Dance. So Bat Dance is a number one single. Who else in on planet Earth could, no pun intended, Prince album title, <laughs> uh, who else could have a number one hit that doesn't even have a chorus it's so bonkers. It has all these different sections. In no way does it serve you up a nice sing-along chorus, like hey Jude, <laughs> you know, no, there's no na 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 sing-along except, you know, <laughs> except for Batman. Um it's so outrageous. And I loved all the samples that he was using, you know, it's similar to Art of Noise and other bands. That- the time you know when they started getting to get the, into the sampling i love that stuff because at the age i was you know i was a kid i was like um 10 years old when batman came out i actually saw it in america i was on a, a family trip i saw it uh there and i came back to australia and i'd seen it before any of the kids at my school because you know they used to be like a three-month lag time before the movies would come out here um also electric chair in the future just like that some of the best prints that exists I just, I love it so much and I think he was on a really transitional point production wise he was there was new technology available so it sounds quite different from love sexy and I, and I like the way that it's sort of like a bit more stripped back before he went full you know overblown production of graffiti bridge and diamonds and pearls so it's a really interesting transitional point and I think he was just like at his peak um, uh, or one of his peaks uh, in, in terms of the live show. If you think of the electric chair, Saturday Night Live version, or um, the new tour, how he does that big long medley of the future and um, Housequake uh, and 1999. You know, it's really, it's really, really amazing stuff. So I decided that for the 30th anniversary of Batman, I would recreate the album in a live sense, uh, because you never really got a tour that was just all about Batman. You know, it sort of got included in uh, the future and Party Man got included in the set list of the new tour, but you just didn't get, this is the Batman tour. So I wanted to sort of think about what those songs would sound like if they were all created live. And I also wanted the challenge of recreating the keyboard sounds, uh, you know, programming sort of Fairlight type sounds. Like the the choir on um, the future, and I think that's actually literally the sounds of blackness choir. I think that's a real choir. But uh, there's a lot of tones and things that I wanted to recreate, and so I made my band learn all those songs. <laughs> um, there's only we the only one we didn't do was was lemon crush, but there's a li- we threw a little bit of that into one of the other songs. Um, so we we set up we took over this uh, venue here in Melbourne called the Night Cat. And we did a live recording and we we performed you know a couple of takes of each song and we recorded it all live and we filmed the whole thing and we all dressed up in costumes and um and then i edited it over a month it took me to put this 20 minute concert film together and i kept thinking of other things oh we need a framing device we need like what if there's a hobo in an alley and there's this TV and it comes to life and then it's, it goes in and then we're watching the concert. And then I was like, oh my God, there's that scene in under the cherry moon where they're in the tricky and Christopher in the restaurant. And they go, are you afraid of bats? And then I could cut to Michael Keaton going. And I did it all. Everything I thought of, I, I threw into that, uh, that video. And then uh, I have a radio show here in Melbourne called black wax. And I interviewed lots of artists. Some of them are Prince related. A lot of them are jazz artists. And I managed to get an interview with Ingrid Chavez. And when I had her on the phone, I had this idea in my mind because Kim Basinger had, was not the original choice to play Vicky Vale in Batman 1989. It was Sean Young, right. the Blade Runner. Right. And she injured herself in a horse riding accident there was a scene in the script which, where Bruce Wayne and Vicky Vale go riding on horses and um, it actually ended up on the cutting room floor so it's not in the movie. But she was rehearsing for that scene and she fell off the horse and she hurt herself and she had to be replaced like last minute. Like Kim Basinger got on a plane and like started filming the next day. And I thought if Sean Young, like she could be kind of like Prince's type, you know, the sort of like the sultry brunette. And I thought if Prince had directed batman in 1989 rather than tim burton i reckon he would have cast ingrid chavez as vicky vale because she would have been like aura you know she was his muse at the time so i asked ingrid i was like listen we're going to do this version of vicky waiting and i want your voice on the answering machine as vicky vale saying you know um where have you been and i've been trying to call you why are you keeping me waiting? And she was like, "Yeah, okay, I could do that." So she agreed, and she did a couple of takes for me. She like did some different deliveries. This is why we're having our radio interview. It was a pre-record, so I knew I could cut it all out. But then, so now I've got Ingrid Chavez as the voice of Vicky Vale in my Batman movie. So that's wow. my favorite cherry on the top of that uh, of that film.
0: Wow! Shout out to Ingrid Chavez. We loved you. I'd like to. I'd love to have you on the Purple Nights podcast, um, to talk about Graffiti Bridge and your 1992 album. That would be that would be great. But yeah, that's so awesome. I've heard so many stories and I've experienced it myself of so many Prince associates who've been so generous with their time and their efforts with people, and it's just crazy how how nice and how accessible a lot of those associates seem to be. So we're very, very grateful and humbled by that. But yeah, that's, that's an amazing story. Um,
1: the, uh, the, the thing about the Prince associates and uh, the Purple family is, you know, Prince was in his high castle and very inaccessible, but a lot of these others, are, they're working musicians or they're just people, you know, they're not, you know, they're not huge A-list celebrities. So they are accessible and they are, in general, I found very willing to talk or consider, you know, doing recordings or interviews. You know, it helped that I had met Ingrid at Paisley Park and, um, and uh, had a little chat to her uh, at, at Bunkers later that night. So we had actually met and connected. But, you know, when I, when I first talked to Eric Leeds, I had got his number from Ricky Peterson and I just cold called him from Australia and asked him if he wanted to do an interview, a radio interview, and he and he said yes. And so by the time I got to Minneapolis a few years later, we had actually kind of already broken the ice. So it's, it's really cool that you can reach out to these people and, you know, the Purple community is just, it's so fantastic. It's, it was really wonderful to actually be there at Ground Zero at Paisley Park and and meet so many of you all. I love it, it as one of my treasured memories. And I got to give a shout out to Tommy Dockin as well. When I first got to Paisley Park for the first time, this guy just comes out of this crowd and goes, Adam, I'm so glad you're here. I'm, I'm a huge fan of your music. He goes, it's Tommy, we're Facebook friends. And he, he works there. He's a tour guide at Paisley Park. And he took, he took me with his tour group. And I just never thought I would walk into Prince's house and somebody would, from, you know, who lives there would say, hey, I know your music you know, from Australia unbelievable
0: yeah Yeah, it's very it's very very crazy and as you were talking about that you know talking about the prince community i've noticed there's so many excellent wonderful people in the prince community in australia and i gotta give a shout out to of course you and there's the guys from peach and black who are sadly no longer making podcasts but I wish that weren't the case, but they decided to, you know, call it quits. But we have those recordings, you know, all there for posterity. But the Australian Prince fan community are some of the greatest people that I know and that I know of. So shout out to the Australian contingent of the Purple family. Definitely, you guys know how to represent down there. You know how to they bring can, the Minneapolis sound. They convinced sound. That
1: thing to come out here. Yeah. Uh, but we've had plenty of people. You know, Shelby Johnson's been out mm-hmm. here and um, the Allo. And uh, we, uh, Lake Minnetonka, uh, performed with Tamar. We were her backing band. So when Tamar Davis came out here, we played a couple of shows and played all her, her music uh, as well so um she's
0: great yeah. did you play any of the tracks from milk and honey
1: 100% we played redhead stepchild and uh, oh, played her new one i feel good before it had even come out yeah that wow. was brilliant because i i had watched that gma performance from 2006 when they did um you know around the 3121 era and uh so to play beautiful loved and blessed and redhead stepchild on stage with tamar holy crap Uh, that was incredible what an experience never forget it thank you tamar
0: shout out to tamar and i would say her album milk and honey is in the top two if not number one uh protege albums in my opinion that i've heard so
1: controversial
0: uh, yeah yeah uh controversy (laughs) right there um but yeah um just just great great prince fan community in australia and really worldwide you know everybody as you were saying adam it it really feels like a purple family and it's always great to get together um you know and with with covid and everything the last few years you know the celebrations have been canceled but i'm I'm hopeful that in 2022, we'll, we'll start to see a shift of things for the better. And, um, but you know, I've got my fingers crossed. We're dealing with, you know, all the different variants and now Omicron and all that, but I've, so I've got my fingers crossed, but I'm, I'm hoping for a celebration in ideally in June, 2022. So we'll see if we'll see if that comes to pass, but yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there have been a couple, a couple, um, musical projects that you and I have collaborated on. The one that comes to mind immediately is the uh, the version of Mister Goodnight that you and and um, Tilly did for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have that instrumental on my laptop, and I need to add vocals to that, and at least try to share it on facebook i don't know if the algorithms are going to you know bite me in the bite me in the rear but we'll see i
1: don't think they will because i recreated that instrumental from scratch and the drum beat is is slightly different so i think it's going to fool the bots let's see
0: okay so yeah definitely keep keep your eye out for that i'll definitely post it on facebook and then if it gets through there without any problems i might upload it to the, uh, purple nights podcast, YouTube channel at a later date. So keep your eye out for that. Um, so what's new, any, anything, any other projects cooking? I know you were doing a, a David Bowie project a while back. Um, any other things, any other things in the making that you're, that you're up to that you can announce
1: yeah, well, David, the the Bowie Project is a instrumental jazz, you know, Bowie interpretation group, and we've just released our fourth album, Strange Changes. Um, we had a sold out show at the Melbourne International Jazz Festival. We had a nine piece New Orleans brass band, uh, and we played some Herbie Hancock electric jazz funk versions of things as well. Wow. Uh, I made an album in lockdown called Norse Pathology, which is kind of a rumination on the concept of Blade Runner Uh, so that's going to be out very soon I just actually got the final mastered version of everything back yesterday and I've commissioned a bunch of animations so we're actually going to release it as a film instead of doing an album launch we're going to have a screening at a cinema Um, so that'll be up online sometime next year
0: oh my goodness Uh, that sounds amazing amazingly creative and visionary I love that
1: yeah, thanks. And uh, I'm working on... Okay, here's an announcement for you. I haven't told anybody this. Um, so I, I mentioned I, I like to root for the underdog. So I'm making a concept album about Timothy Dalton, James Bond, and Michael Keaton, Batman, and 1989 <laughs> being the crossover point. Right. Um, so uh, I, I get to exist in the musical worlds of John Barry and danny elfman which will be very fun and i'm also working on a follow-up to norse mythology the blade runner album which is inspired by three shows in particular uh max Hedron, alien nation and total recall 2070 so late 80s to not- late 90s sci-fi cyberpunk tv shows and that one's going to be called 20 minutes into the future so that's what i'm working on right now oh that's
0: excellent very excellent very creative and has a really uh dark funky vibe i really like i really like the sound of that so we'll definitely be looking forward to that um
1: keep you posted
0: yeah definitely and um to close things out i just wanted to wanted to give you the opportunity to let everybody know where they can find you on social media and where they can find your music
1: yeah, well, we we have um, our albums are up on Spotify for Lake Minnetonka, but we really prefer Bandcamp as a platform. And there's a, a few things on Bandcamp that aren't on Spotify. For example, the the soundtrack to our Batman uh, concert film, Year of the Bat. So yeah, Lake Minnetonka uh, on Bandcamp, and uh, we're fairly active on the socials, particularly Facebook and Instagram. Um, so we're uh Lake Minnetonka band on, on both of those,
0: okay? Yeah, this is as good a time as any for me to announce that, inspired by you, because you told me that you, your band is mostly active on Instagram, and I, I told you, I'm like, I, I barely use Instagram, but I'm uh, I opened up in a, a Purple Nights podcast. Instagram account. And I'll definitely be using that. My plan is to post weekly. Um, If things really take off, I might post more often than that. But yeah, Purple Nights podcast, all one word on Instagram. And uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at PK podcast. And my personal Twitter is at artificial age. Uh, the O in official is actually a zero. So it's kind of weird for people to to know that it's not actually an O, uh, but it's a zero, artificial age. And then you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash chrisj80. So Adam, any closing thoughts?
1: Only just, uh, it's, it's brilliant that, uh, you know, live music is happening again here in Melbourne and uh, let's keep, keep the Purple Funk alive and uh, I'm going to keep making as much music as I can and I want to thank uh, all the other musicians out there in the world who are contributing to all the amazing things, creative things that are, are coming forth sort of as we sort of emerge from this COVID winter so uh thanks to everybody for, for their support. And um, yeah, it's just been a great pleasure to talk to you, Chris. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes. It's been a, a pleasure and an honor. And I just want to echo your thoughts about live music. Live music to me is pretty much like lifeblood. So I love, I love experiencing live music anywhere in any form. Actually in two days on Saturday night, I'm going to be seeing an acapella group called Home Free, which actually originated in Mankato, Minnesota. There's one uh, member who's actually a tenor that's actually from Mankato, but the rest of the group comes from the southern U.S. Um, they're an acapella group. They're amazing. If you haven't heard of them, Look them up on YouTube. There's a tremendous amount of rea- reaction videos of people reacting to their their um, their um, work. And uh, I'll, so I'll be going to a holiday concert um, of Home Free, the a cappella group. And they're just absolutely amazing. Um, the work they do is is wonderful. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And uh, Adam, if you ever bring uh, Lake Minnetonka to Minneapolis again for any live gigs, I don't know how that's all going to work with all this COVID stuff unfolding, but we could hope at some time in the near future, um, you know, travel will be a little easier. Um, But if you ever come to Minneapolis again to, to play a gig or just do something solo or anything like that. Let me know. I'll be there. Uh, hopefully front row. So, um, I would definitely, definitely look forward to that. And that would be an honor and a privilege as well.
1: I'll definitely be back, Chris, and, uh, you'll be on the door. Don't you worry.
0: Okay. Thank you so
1: much backstage pass.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. I'll hang out with, I'll hang out with you and we'll uh, talk, hopefully, and geek out and do a bunch of nerdy things with our our Prince fandom. And I, I just love how into it you are and how excited you get. And sometimes you go overboard, but, uh, you know, us Prince geeks, we're like that. You know, we love, we love. When have
1: I ever gone overboard? What are you
0: referring to <laughs> oh, wait, What the hell? <laughs> with the whole original idea for Fink, with the whole deep cuts and the big list and oh, all yeah, that stuff well, you were describing. Yeah, that's right. a little...
1: cool, <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, I absolutely love it, man. And I, I love you and I appreciate your work. Appreciate everything you do. Uh, appreciate the vibe you put out there and the energy you put out there. You're a very funny, offbeat, really, really great guy. And I'm really blessed and fortunate to know you. And thank you so much for coming on today. And have a good rest of your day, all right?
1: Thanks, Chris. Much appreciated. And Right back at you.
0: Okay. On behalf of Adam and myself, Chris Johnson, I'll say that's all, folks. See you next time.